This is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast, a podcast about, you guessed it, nonprofit fundraising. This isn't the first podcast about it, but definitely not like any others you've listened to. This is a podcast for fundraisers by fundraisers. No boring charts or the same stale best practices you've heard for years. No ideas that only work in theory here. No concepts from people who aren't in the same trenches as you are every single day. Each week, you'll get practical strategies and tips to craft messages that engage donors and raise more money. This isn't smoke and mirrors. Everything has been pressure tested in the real world. Plus, you can start using them as soon as the episode ends. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Thomas and Steve Thomas. Hi, welcome to episode seven of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. This is writing fundraising copy that's effective. I'm your host, Ryan Thomas, Vice President at Onicity. And I'm Steve Thomas, CEO and one of the founding partners of Onicity. Onicity is a boutique ad agency focused on fundraising and marketing for nonprofits. That's what gets us up in the morning and uh, is the topic of our podcast. And if you're paying close attention, keeping score at home, Onicity is spelled one I city, O N E I C I T Y. But if you get it close, Google will take care of the rest and get you there. Unless you're an email and then they, those email things, they, you're supposed to get that right. Yeah. You got to get that exactly right. So when you send your positive feedback, uh, and how much you love us and names of all the people you've told to download and listen, uh, send that to podcast at onecity.com again, O N E I C I T Y.com. <laughs> and if you're keeping extra close score at home, or looking for extra credit, uh, you probably noticed that Steve and I share a last name and that may make the podcast title make a little more sense. So don't it, beat around the bush. Just say, you know, there's a, there's a familial relationship. There here. You go. I like that. Uh, yeah. one, one of us is, is the father and uh, the other one is not the father and uh, people Luke. listening don't have a clue. <sighs> People listening don't have a clue, but the uh, the video participants can probably figure that out. And if they don't have a clue, they'll fit right in. We're just that's, making this podcast up as we go, right? That's right. That's what we're we, here for. We know fundraising. Uh, we're learning podcasting. That's right. We, we know one thing. We're learning the other, and that's go. the way to go. So, again, uh, send us your five-star reviews, any questions, th- comments, things you want to hear on the podcast. We'd love yeah, to know love what to it know is what, you want to know. Yeah. Exactly. What should we cover? Uh, but we we started this podcast because, like Steve said, we know fundraising. And if you do this work, you know that you talk about it a lot. The work doesn't stop when the day is over. It doesn't even stop when the week is over. And we would have conversations talking about these things, um, wondering, trying ideas back when you could get together in person at restaurants, barbecues, that kind of thing. And we realized it would be really fun to roll video and audio and bring you dear listener and dear viewer, uh, to the table with us and hang out. So here we are until we can work out call in. They just have to, they've just got to deal with this. Right. Really quick right now, send your uh, emails to podcast at one and, uh, 
We'll go and post and, and watching get them. my email right now. <laughs> hitting F five, send receive. <laughs> but so that's that's why we're here, and this work doesn't stop. We're passionate about it, and hanging out, talking about it is uh, a fun way to both decompress, think of ideas, and uh, hopefully connect with other people out there doing this work. And if there are a couple things we've thought of or come into that can help you do the work you're doing, then everybody wins. So our first plus, segment, plus oh, go we ahead. Have a, we have a good time on Monday nights recording these. So it's, that makes it fun. It, it does. It does make Monday. Uh, there is something to look forward to for me. I'm just, I'm just good with that. Even if, you know, nobody ever listens. So. It'll be a vanity thing <laughs> for us. I can, I can at least tell, tell my friends I have a podcast and if go. they, if they ask about listenership, I just, I'm just going into a tunnel. It doesn't matter. Off, off the charts. Yeah. It's off the charts. And on a previous episode, we talked about lying with statistics. So that was a, <laughs> that was a callback to episode three, I think. Anyway, first, the first thing we like to do is lead with something immediately actionable. Everything on here is something that will help you and can help your fundraising, but some of it has a longer tail. Acquiring donors, reactivating lapsed donors. You can't do that in two hours or else we'd have a lot more free time on our hands. Mm -hmm. So this is something that is actionable as soon as you stop listening to the episode. You need to continue listening to the episode, not just hit pause when we're done, but immediately after this, you can put it into practice and you'll get a benefit. Yep. So I went, I went first last time. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go? Go, you lead. Okay. I'll, I'll All right. Uh, so mine this week is if you're not doing it already, you should be reading your fundraising copy out loud. And that's Ooh, whether you, that's great. And that's whether you're writing it or reviewing it because our, most people read whether they know it or not with a voice in their head. Mm-hmm. And that also will help you catch awkward terms of phrase or awkward uh, pauses or run on sentences. Uh, things can look right, but they don't sound right. And mm-hmm. Uh, it will also help because the best fundraising copy isn't necessarily the most beautiful copy. It's not good prose usually. Mm-hmm. And so, well, it's not usually technically correct by your, your English teacher prose. Correct. You, the, your English teacher is not going to like what's effective and she's yeah. going to like what has a negative and horrible ROI. So exactly. as long as you're not reporting to Miss Nelson, you're going to be fine. <laughs> and, and so if you read it out loud, I, at first I would always feel weird doing it. But when I started seeing the things I caught and the corrections and the better quality at the end of the day or the end of the road, it's become a lot less awkward because I know it's, it's a good thing to do. And, uh, it, it really helps and is an easy thing. Everything you get, if it's got copy and it's going to a donor or it's, it's internal communication as well, just read it out loud really quick. And you'll, you'll notice the things that need to be changed. They'll jump out at you. Yep. Yep. That's good. Uh, mine, mine is, uh, uh, probably weird, but, uh, Oh yeah. Just, Cause that never happens on here. Yeah. This is my first really weird, but it's not, it's, it's not as weird as the cookbook I brought. Okay. So 
Um, uh, you should be saving direct mail if you're responsible for fundraising. And so um, I have a, a stack. Uh, this is a partial stack of email that I'm waving around if, you're, if you can't. Email? Video. Uh, pardon me, on mail. That we're, <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> so <clears throat> the, the, the reason to save and hang on to uh, stacks of, of direct mail, and then what made me think about that is in email, I, I have a folder I dump email I receive. Yep. That's not to steal ideas or to steal copy. It is to have a sense of what people who are your donors and prospective donors might be reading. Mm -hmm. And so right now, go to the trash, fish out, or the recycle bin, fish out all the, the mail you have, you have thrown away, save it. So that the next time you are dealing with, if you're doing direct mail, or the next time you're dealing with email, you, you have a sense of what people are seeing in their mailboxes. The way I do email review is I look, I have those in a folder in, in my, my email account. And then I click on it and just look at scan through subject lines, not mm. for an idea, but, but for the, <clears throat> for the, the context of what kinds of emails are people receiving that allows you to just have an idea of, okay, I have written a, a subject line that's exactly like everybody else's subject line. You don't want to do that. Or I've designed an email, a, a direct mail piece uh, that looks exactly like the, the 50 other direct mail pieces hmm. I got. Uh-oh. I and, think I need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. And I one way to build up your mailbox or your inbox, uh, because you may not be getting for whatever reason, a lot of direct mail from oh, that's correct. attention competitors. You may not think of them as competitors, but if mm -hmm. they're talking to your donors, then they are competitors for that donor's attention is to give 20, 25 bucks to local organizations, organizations in your market. That you and, love or that you love with their work, right? Yeah. You don't, yeah. Not, not anybody, but, but others that, if you think about a donor who might be leafing through their mail and deciding to give their money between you and X, Y, or Z, go give 25 bucks to X, Y, or Z. Um, and particularly online, I've found that if you give online, you will get both streams and it's not necessarily the case. If you, if you send in a check, you're not necessarily going to get their email yeah. and save their stuff. It's, yeah. it's helpful. You, you you need to know the context. You'll you'll run out of space for the mail eventually, but yep. uh, after after 18, 24 months, you can you can hard archive it up in the attic or toss it. And you may not want to save it that long. I Just, mean that, yeah, that's okay. that's a lot. All right. Okay. So what's something you've seen in the mail? Speaking of of mail that you're keeping around the house. For mail call, what's what's something you've gotten that's worth sharing about? So again, in the only slightly following other rules, um, I I receive an email uh, on a regular basis from a guy who is a um, he's a music industry insider, 
and uh, he is that Lefitz? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he he illustrates so well why you don't want to just focus on your niche. So, for instance, it is very common for people who are new in the business of fundraising to you know, they go to webinars, they sign up for these things, they listen to podcasts, they do all these things. And they, they, they focus in only on nonprofit fundraising or ministry fundraising or whatever their, their orientation is. And they don't look outside. Well, uh, Lefitz that, that you, you allude to, Ryan, uh, he's a music insider. He writes a, a new, an e-newsletter for musicians music producers, venue people. He's, uh, he's, he's big time. Um, I, uh, he, when, he, when he publishes people who uh, respond with comments and, and things, it is amazing the number of times the emails are from people I've actually heard of or their Whoa. music I've loved. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's, it's one of those things that, that he's a big deal. Well, he, he had an email recently where he was talking about credibility and authenticity. And he taught, he, the opening line is, speak from the heart, not from the head. And then he, he just runs through this thing of talking to music insiders about how they need to be authentic. And then it's an illustration of all the ways they should be uh, uh, illustrating or, 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 or doing, doing their authenticity. Uh, that is the kind of thing you need if you are doing fundraising to inspire you not to just follow everybody else, which is sort of weird because mm. I told you, you know, you want to you want to collect what other people are doing. But again, it's not to copy that. It is to to understand the context. Again, you, you use the term Ryan about competition for attention. You're competing for attention. Lefitz and, and other voices that are dealing in different kinds of niches than you are, you need to listen to them and, and then figure out how to adapt what they talk about for their niche to yours. It is powerful. I can't believe the number of times I've gotten very, very powerful ideas. Wow. Yeah. And to, uh, to be getting and seeing replies from people we've heard of, uh, and even you know, the, and, and some, some people proof. I haven't heard of that when I Google, I go, oh, I should have heard of them because they're actually, you know. They're, well, yeah, I, I have horrible taste in music. So uh, when I read his stuff, anybody he mentions, I really don't know. Yeah. But I can tell by context. Big, you're a big Nickelback fan, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Nickelback. They're just the best. It's just stuck in 2004. This is the bomb. For our Patreons, we'll uh, we'll do a Nickelback karaoke episode. That'll be that'll be one of our top ten hits. I'll need so, a little. I'll need a little warning on that to get ready. So just they all sound the same, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Listen to one song, and you can do all of them. So so for mine, mine's also email. Uh, there's a local organization that I love, and that they're. They're, they feed people. I don't want to get more specific than that because then it's pretty obvious who they are. And I, I'm passionate about that. That's one of the things that just, uh, it speaks to my heart. And, uh, but I get an email from them 
almost, not almost, but every week, literally. And I've gotten, because I, I went back and tracked, I got five in March, five in February, five in January, hmm. which once a week, always asking for a gift, spoiler alert, is a lot. And I would say too much. Uh, I don't see their file. I don't see their rates or their giving rates. So I, it's hard for me to say for sure, but, but I know as a donor, I am exhausted. And to make it worse, this year alone, six of those emails have been about a match and different oh, wow. matches. Oh, it's, wow. Sometimes it's a 3X, sometimes it's a 4X, but it is, it's gotten to where... It is not uncommon. It's not even surprising to me to get an email from them advertising a match. And a, ma a matching gift, which we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, a matching gift where if I give 205, it becomes whatever. 410. Yeah, thank you. Uh, math. I was told there's going to be no math on this podcast. You brought it up. Yeah, that's my problem. I should have used an even number. But one time one time with a match that's interesting it's really cool to have a matching gift but when it's constant it just becomes noise and as a donor i i care a lot about feeding people i just mark their emails as red now and i have for like the past i don't know three or four months i go back through and read periodically like you were talking about to kind of see what they're doing and what they're saying, if there's, you know, cause there are a lot of people in my area who are paying attention to them, but as a reader and as a donor, I, I'd get it every morning about seven fifteen, and I just mark it red because, Oh, another match. Good job. I don't need to hear it every time. And so if you've got a match, great. If you are so lucky that you have back to back to back to back matches. If you're tripping over donors who want to give you matching gifts, either find a way to use it somewhere else in, in your organization, not for fundraising or talk to them about batching. We, we had a donor who was in a similar situation a couple of years ago and they just nicely talked to the donor about it. it's most effective if we wait 45 days, cause we have another match that someone else did. Yeah and we can batch it together and look, it's a really huge match. And that donor said, Oh, that's great. Uh, thank you for telling me. Then here's, here it is early. It was that kind of match where they got all up front here. It is early and you just use it when you need. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, the donor doesn't care. Yeah. Beautiful. So, but whether you've got a match, whether you're emailing me once, twice, three times a week, regardless of when you're doing that, how you're doing that, you are writing fundraising copy. Oh. And so we've talked about uh, how to tell a story. We've talked about how to talk to certain types of donors, but let's sort of back up in a weird order and say, okay, well, what are the nuts and bolts of writing fundraising copy? And a lot of this is going to apply to direct mail. A lot of this is going to apply to email and a lot of it's going to apply to both, it was a Venn diagram kind of going on. And uh, it can work for, we're gonna primarily talk about gifts, but anytime you're emailing or writing a donor, you want them to take some kind of action 90% of the time. Yeah. So I think about it 
and, and this is where you can jump in and disagree and make it a spicy podcast that uh, fundra- the fundraising copy that's effective is less written or created and more it's like built and planned almost like Legos. Oh, that's I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well that makes it less that makes it less exciting, but it's it's good that you agree. Well, okay, so I'll 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 make it exciting by saying, "Well, what do you mean by that?" <laughs> good. Uh, so we we put a lot of thought into what comes before anything really hits pen to paper, quote unquote. And we, we walk into something wanting to answer certain questions and structure in a certain way, because there are things that should go into every piece of affecting effective fundraising copy. Uh, and so we, we look at it as saying, okay, we need these ingredients, these elements, we have this story or we don't have a story or whatever we're dealing with. We take these Lego blocks. Now let's build a tower or whatever, a, a millennium Falcon out of Legos, which is way, way better than anything I can build with Legos. But yeah. that's, that's how I look at it. And I know you and I have had these conversations about, well, let's, let's use this block or let's do it in this order. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so, so, um, uh, uh, we typically will, uh, at, at some point, and, and I guess we need to say, uh, our creative process involves multiple people. There are a lot of people maybe listening to this podcast that are all by themselves. And, and so that's a, that is a different, more challenging kind of environment to, to create great fundraising copy. Um, uh, we're going to, as we begin, think about uh, the fundraising scaffold, scaffolding that, that, that we hang everything on, and we've talked about this before, but just to state again, um, uh, always problem, what, what are you doing in the world? Uh, what is the, the, the thing you're trying, how, how the reason you exist that makes the world better? Uh, what solution do you provide? How are you solving that problem? Uh, what does your the donor have the opportunity to how do they participate and then and that's their their call to action you know what might you do and then the consequence if they don't give what happens and that should be present whether it's an email a direct mail appeal a smoke writing kind of mm-hmm. campaign your blimp whatever you're going to do so give give a cup give take uh, i think we talked about the elephant sanctuary that you let's do another to, let's yeah. do something else okay I, you know so pick 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 something and walk through examples because okay. uh, let, solution say, and per, they can be confusing so let, let's do it this way okay so let's do uh because i i love staying with animals uh, uh, okay so we'll do uh sloth um uh, rehabilitation awesome can, that's a that's a that's a slow process but yeah <laughs> You can tell we didn't rehearse this. Ahead. This is great. Okay, the problem is that many sloths have been adopted by well-meaning millennials, and they have become even lazier. And then the millennials, because that's who millennials are, <laughs> just love doing that. Yep. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, they 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 abandon these sloths. And so the sloth abandonment rate is huge in North once America. Once they once they get the TikTok 
views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, hey, no they, use. They, 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 so that's the problem. The solution is these sloths need to be put into a rehab program so that they can can be brought up to the appropriate level of of slothness. And so we at the, the Steve Thomas uh, Sloth Rehabilitation uh, Camp, uh, we, we, we take care of this where, where these sloths are put into a regime. We put them on a different ant diet rather than the ants they've been used to eating in the millennials household. We, we allow them. I, that's like my third millennial knock. I'm going to go for one yeah, more. Nah, yeah, you, yeah use, it, use it wisely. Okay, okay keep score. Um, so, so we put them on the appropriate ant diet for the, is it sloths or ant eaters that eat ant? I think they both do either way. I, I um, bet, I bet you give a sloth an ant and he'll eat there it. You go. He'll be there fine. You go. So, so then you, the, so that's problem and well, solution, right? Yep. Okay. Then, then participation is the, you, um, uh, millennial can, can go, he, it only cost us. Uh, hundred ninety-seven dollars a day to re to rehab these sloths because it's a very carefully uh, a worked out kind of program to help these sloths. It's it is it is um, uh, a through the experts done. It's you've got it down experts. to a science. Yep. Um, the, so that's the participation. Here's how you can help the sloth, and then the consequences. Uh, the sad reality is is that these sloths are not going to be able to survive on their own. And so without this help, uh, the sloth abandonment rate by millennials will continue to go off the charts. <laughs> That's my last one. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it is actually your last one. But, so, and so, so that's the that's, that's how you build it. And yeah. the two, the two that always, not always, thankfully not anymore, that, that early on got me confused were the differences between uh, solution and participation. Great. Because those those seem like the same thing. Yeah, I have a solution. I want you to participate. Yeah, that's good. So the I guess the, the, the way to think of, or the way I think about it is, uh, the solution is what you as the organization is going is is trying to do so let's take it out of big picture and and, and um you know we we do a lot of work for people who who help people uh, uh kids who are disadvantaged or or who who live in our difficult circumstances um uh, uh the organization and in particular the leadership of the organization must be the the experts in this field. They are the content experts. They know this stuff. They are doing it. So they're the mm -hmm. experts. It's what you as the organization know is the best way to solve whatever the problem your organization does. And, and it's, it's critically important that you, you really nail down this description of the problem and the solution, this, what do you, what are you going to do? What do you as the organization know is the way to solve this problem? Mm -hmm. Because as we know, there are multiple ways to solve problems. And, and you think about homelessness, uh, people who are experiencing homelessness, there are a lot of different ways that are that that various organizations are wanting to go about solving that. Same with people who are food insecure. Same with people with with uh, 
uh, kids who are in foster care. There are multiple routes to that, but it is the organization and the leadership's expertise that frames the solution. Now, the participation is, well, I'm a donor. I, my heart has been touched by the, the plight of whatever the, whatever, however you're changing the world in your organization. You're sloths. Well, I'm going to go off the sloth. <clears throat> I felt bad about that. Uh, 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 I can't be an expert. And, and one, of the, one of the critical factors you want to do is you want to keep the donor and the organization in their respective spots. And one hmm. of the problems with others who do our work, they talk about donors as heroes. Uh, we, we believe in donors being central to the message. Uh, we're donor centric. Uh, I mean, gosh, the, you know, the book we, is called Donoricity because we want everything focused around the donor. Yet, the donor cannot be the expert about the problem. They're touched by the problem. Mm -hmm. They understand the plight, but they can't be the expert. That's where the organization is still very important. The leader or the voice, whoever speaks for the organization is critically important in that moment. So it is there, the problem solution, this um, uh, participation is the call to action. How do you want me to participate in the solution you as the organization have designed that you know is the right way to go? Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the distinction. Great question. Um, and, the, and it's a it's the Jerry Maguire. Help me help you. There you go. There you go. And consequence is the one that more often than not, because uh, one of the, the things that we would back when we could sit around at places, um, pull out things that we're saving uh, to touch on almost every segment we've had so far. And just kind of look at it and consequence gets left out a lot more than you think. And yeah, because it, it, it's so easy for people who haven't really dealt with this to think that's about guilt. And, uh, and we've talked mm -hmm. in a previous podcast about how what a poor motivator that guilt is. Guilt is not the button you want to push. The button you want to push is I know a solution because I am an expert in this field. If your heart has been touched by this problem, help me do my solution. Help me make this take place. That keeps the donor and the organization in their proper roles. Because mm -hmm. donors cannot be experts at what you as the organization does. And that is such a, an easy mistake to make uh, as, as people understand how donor-centric language works and organizational-centric language doesn't work as a bad idea. But, but then they make the donor the expert and they're just not, they can't mm -hmm. be. And the donor even knows they're not yeah. the expert, right? And so it is a, it is a nuance there. And I, I'm glad you, you uh, picked that apart, but per participation is the call to action uh, back to nuts and bolts. Ideally, even down to a, a recipe of exactly what you want the donor mm -hmm. to do. For instance, um, uh, and I'm going to go back to sloth. Sloth, you know, for, for $1,400 a day, for a $1.40 a day, whatever it is, you can make a difference in this sloth's life. You can, and I don't want to demean any of the other actions. I just want to illustrate with something that's kind of out, out, kind of crazy. But that's why you see 
um, rescue missions, organizations who feed people, um, uh, recovery organ people who do uh, uh, addiction recovery, those kind of things. Why there, why the, why there is a, a a dollar increment or an increment around some dollar amount that's calculated, that gives the donor, excuse me, that gives me the donor the opportunity to frame and understand how they can make a difference. Because they can't, they can't save all the sloths, but <laughs> yeah, no. But I can, I can give you twenty bucks, and that that helps a sloth today. Well, and and, and that's and, exciting. Well, it can be. Uh, it's kind of a slow roll with a sloth, but but they get there. <laughs> that's right, and uh, so it's we start often by building and answering those questions. And they, in one of the other things you alluded to of uh, not dumbing it down, but being very clear in the nuts and bolts, uh, we, we work really hard to make sure we even include instructions in our copy yeah. down to send back this response device and your gift. Cause yeah. who's going to send it back without their gift? Some will. It's happened. And there's and there's great power in in giving a donor instructions that you want them to follow. One of the rules in 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 direct response or in trying to influence people is people if you persuaded them, if you've influenced them, if you've piqued their interest, tell them what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. If you leave it vague. There's all sorts of flutter that can that can get into that process that doesn't take you down the fundraising a good fundraising path. Um, yeah. So once you get once you get the problem solution participation consequence all nailed down and and you alluded to it, I'll just say those can be in any order in copy. You do not have to present them in a certain order, and you just have to make sure they're all present. It's not a formula, so they don't have to be in exactly the same amounts. You can vary that. We'll and you should that. vary all that. You let's just, let's, that. Yeah. we may do another episode on that, but yeah. just, if you're listening and you like this, um, I never in the same order, never, uh, 25, 25, 25%. So, so one of the things I would say about, about copywriting and one of the reasons that I, I like having big stacks of mail and I have. I like having a full inbox of uh, fundraising emails is I recognize that donors are not sitting at home waiting for your appeal or your what? email. Yeah, it's false. Just... That's not true. <laughs> Maybe they, not yours. They're waiting on mine. They are, they are completely buried by this stuff. And so you have to pique their interest, draw them in in some way. And, and I'm always going to say, you're not, uh, you don't want to appeal to them cognitively. You want to appeal to them emotionally. And there's a lot of different ways to go about that. Your writing prompt ideas, the, 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 the poetry things we've talked about in previous podcasts, all of those are so effective to help you understand how you got to grab somebody. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you have to do when you are, are when you when you begin a draft is go back to the beginning part and ask the so what question. I mean, hmm. so what? Do you do you open with something you already know? Christmas is only twenty three days away. 
So what, right? Or if you, if, or or if you absolutely have to do that, do it in minutes or seconds, or, or I, you know, some other way to get somebody's mm-hmm. attention, right? And 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 um, it is important then as you as you get their attention to always be thinking of that word because we again we've talked mm-hmm. about that we'll continue to talk about that is it because because answers why why should i care because why is this important because why is the problem a big deal because and that's where you have the opportunity to go in with a story and illustrate the problem or illustrate the solution or mm-hmm. even illustrate the consequence, or you could even illustrate the the participation. You made a difference this way. There are a lot mm-hmm. of different ways to play it, but you have to keep asking yourself, "So what?" And it, because, you be, and you got to be hard about it, and then you got to be able to fill in with the because. Okay. And I, uh, a lot of this applies to you know across mediums, um, but. Two things that are medium specific, and by that I mean direct mail or digital. It doesn't matter if you get all your scaffolding right, you get you you answer so what, you've got because, you've got all of that taken care of. Yeah. If I can't read it. And oh, nice. Alluded to, I think on a previous episode, talked about I got something that was no formatting oh. at all. It oh, wasn't yeah. indented. There was oh, yeah. no bold or underlying, nothing. And so part of the fight, as you alluded to, of, of a donor's attention is they're scanning. If you get them inside the letter, inside your envelope, they're just going to glance to see if there's a reason to stay. And so you have to jab them by things to grab their attention and keep them reading. It's almost like trying to get a toddler to get dressed or leave a store. You got to just keep <laughs> You got to take that. It. You got to, you, you, okay, now do this. Now do this. Don't turn loose of them or you're going to lose them. And so you, you've got to do that with a donor and effective bolding, underlining, handwriting in the margin, if you can do that, is very effective. The, but the most effective place or the place where you need to put everything is the PS in direct mail. In direct mail, I always look for, it's one of the first things I look for when I'm reviewing copy is if all I do is look at the top to make sure my name is right, because everyone does that, and I turn it over to the back, I read the PS. And that's what anybody, even as they're throwing it away, is glancing at the PS. And if in the PS, I say everything you need to know, slots are in danger, we can help them for $15 a day, you can be a part of that and make sure that happens. If you don't, they're gonna be hurt. Two lines, bold and underline it. You got their attention. And so the other ahead. place, the other place to uh, so so I, uh, that's a great thing to, to talk about. So let, let me let me just say, we statistically in our agency, we spend as much time on subject lines and and teaser copy on an on an outer envelope of a direct mail piece and PSs. And then the response device or the call to action email as we mm-hmm. do all the other copy. Oh, it may be more. It may be 60, 40. I, I, I no doubt. Uh, and so one of the things I would say is that you're hundred percent right on the PS. And then I will add, I'll tag on 
the response device. And if you're doing direct mail, you need a response device. You just can't throw an envelope in there. You've got to have something for them to send back. The mm -hmm. response device is another place. You do another version of the restatement of as much of the scaffolding as you can put in. You can't get it all in typically, but if nothing else, you make it clear how the participation of the donor is addressing the problem. Yes, mm -hmm. I want to help sloths in the United States no longer be abused by millennials. <laughs> that was five. Okay, okay it's five. I'll, I'll We're stop. gonna. You're in a debt. You're 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 robbing from episode eight at this point. So anyway, uh, uh, that has to happen. Uh, yeah. You mentioned bolding and underlining, and so one of the things that's so fascinating, having having had the opportunity to both learn from great, great uh, practitioners in this field, and then to teach uh, young guns like you the business. Um, uh, there's always the question about what do I bold and what do I underline and how does that work? Um, uh, the, the best way I can say, because sometimes the question is how much bold and how much underlining? And there, you know, there's a little bit of feel that comes from that. Uh, but, but here's the trick. When you're done, if you, and you, and you look at your finished draft, uh, and this, this applies to email as well. Uh, can I, if I scan and only read what's bold and mm -hmm. underlined, do I basically get what this is about? If I did nothing but see my name, read bold, underline, flip it over, keep scrolling down on the email, whatever our medium is, Do I, can I get enough? And then when I land on the, the PS or I land on the call to action or an email component, or this, you know, it also occurs to me, this fits a landing page or hmm. a lot of the digital assets that, that you guys prepare. But, but what you're trying to do is give waypoints or GPS mm -hmm. markers or turn direction. This is Siri calling out your fundraising. Not uh, Siri. Uh, she get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, no. Hey. She she had the data fields messed up. Yeah. So so that's that's the trick. Don't go overboard because if you bold and underline everything, uh, nobody sees it. If you do, no you way. Know, and and so you have to find a way to keep narrowing it down so that you give the bare bones just enough. But the, I, the goal of all of that is, is, will I get enough to understand what you're asking out of those bold and underlines? It's waypoints, it's, it's uh, Siri GPS markers, it's guardrails, however you want to think about it. But these are the markers you're using to guide your reader through or your scanner through. Ah, and in, in email, uh, you can easily over format and the downside to over formatting an email is some email filters and programs see that as spammy. And so, so, so when you talk about over formatting, what do you mean by that? Make that too, too, too many hyperlinks. Um, as some, a lot of people more often than you think aren't are reading in a, in a clean reader online. And so they're yeah. sometimes they aren't even going to see your bolding. Uh, uh, well, still, and I, there's a huge percentage of people who have images turned off and so yep. they never see your pretty pictures. They're just yeah. looking at the words you didn't spend any time on. Time. Exactly. And so bold, uh, do that, but it has to stand on its own if you think of it like a Word document. If it stands alone in a Word document and is effective, then then you're going to be okay. But my rule, I don't 
I don't like any more than three hyperlinks and I really prefer only two hyperlinks and copy any more than that. And in some email yeah. uh, clients, you can, you can get spammed. So don't go overboard with that, but you're two participate. You're usually it's the solution and participation, um, scaffolds that I end up hyperlinking and then yeah. a button. Yeah. yeah. And that will get you where you need to go. We need to, I'm just going to make a suggestion to the host of the program about, we, we should just It goes to it. podcast at onicity.com. <laughs> I, I don't have time to email that stuff. I'm just going to tell you. So we need to just do one on email because you guys. There's uh, so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of the cool testing out there that you guys have done are slightly different or nuanced off of what the for-profit guys are doing or what you read in the world about uh, uh, best practices. So add that to your list. Um, I, I won't email it. I won't get around to that, but add that to your list. Well, I've got images turned off. So if you emailed me, I wouldn't get it. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, this was so important. It was worth oh, talking. I, I had a note about margins. So I'm just going to say, if you're doing direct mail, if you're doing ink on paper and the, the old school yeah. stuff, uh, uh, the goal is not to get the most number of words in the letter possible. The goal is to get the <laughs> right words read, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so use fonts that are big enough. And I, cause I've had discussions about, about millennials. I'm just going to say most of most organizations, because boomers have just are in a different time of life than than other generations, we often have more. Uh, you say you got more money. Yeah, that's all right. I, no, because it's not more money. It is we're not putting kids through college anymore. We're we're we just have you know it's a different issue. So uh, assume that it is somebody reading this that doesn't have as wonderful an eyesight as you do. Mm -hmm. So push the margins in make the font size large enough that you think, my goodness, this is big. Then it's scannable. And I'll also vote for serif fonts because I've tested that in print like crazy. And serif fonts- Serif always wins. Always wins. Not as cool. Not as cool. In, that may not fit your branding guidelines, but you'll like it on in budget season. You won't be, you won't be able to pay for those branding guidelines <laughs> if you don't do that. Exactly. So an easy way, if I don't want to brag, but I don't have old eyes, if you don't have old eyes and you don't have a boomer around who can be your, Which is your consultant. Which to think about that they don't have a boomer around. That's a sad thing. That's a, yeah, that they're in the solution part. They've already solved their boomer problem. It, you can hold, you can print out and hold it at arm's length. Or, yeah, yeah. And it's not exactly the same, but it approximates the scanning. Are things just going to jumble up? It also accounts for most people are reading their mail over their trash can at about arm's length yeah. before they toss it. As it, as it heads to the shredder. Yep. On its way down. Yeah. But that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. If you think that way, that means you're going to beat everybody who doesn't think that way. That's right. Yeah. You, you turn that negative or disadvantage into an advantage, flip it around. So that, that was uh, a little longer of this segment and, and we're not gonna do uh, something that should be on your radar because building fundraising copy that's effective is worth spending extra time on.
because as you could tell, one, we're passionate about it Two, everything you're doing contains copy. You can do things that does that don't contain art, but you can't just throw up photos and bring in money. Even those, even those lovely memes, uh, uh, the, I've got copy on them, man. It, and, it, it, and they don't have very many words, so they gotta be good words, right? It's effective. It's tight. It's efficient, right. the, yeah. efficient memes. So straight to the point, uh, those of you who love hearing about what we're reading, um, we'll just have to wait another week, but talking about copy and how to build good copy is worth spending the extra time. And like Steve said, we're, we're going to have other episodes about it and specifically email. Uh, that's probably gonna be next week. I haven't thought about the episode for next week. So now that's done. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been episode seven, but not your father's fundraising podcast. I'm Ryan Thomas. And I'm Steve Thomas, the father in all of this, and uh, delighted to be with you. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Be with us next week when we discuss how non-fungible tokens can be used in your next donor event. Ooh, NFTs. Oh, I like that. That's that blockchain thingy, right? Yeah, NFTs and donors, two-factor off. It's going to be great. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Tune back in next week for another fresh episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast.